It's time for Blessed to Play on EWTN Radio, uncovering the role that faith plays in the lives of sports professionals from around the country. And now, here's your host, Ron Meyer. Fire score! Well, many of you have heard of the Knights of Columbus, a fraternal organization in the Catholic Church, but uh, what many of you may not know is the historical connection between this fraternal organization and America's pastime baseball. In fact, the Knights are releasing a four-part series on this historical connection, and we have with us today Andrew Fowler. He's the content producer for the Knights of Columbus Communications Department, and he has done, uh, I think, a lot of research on this, but also on the founder, Father Michael McGivney, who uh, had quite an affection for the game itself. So, Andrew, welcome to Blessed to Play. It's great to have you on. Thanks, Ron. Thanks uh, so much for having me. Well, let's talk about Father Michael McGivney, and uh, he's now blessed. Um, But he really uh, had this affection, like I said, but was really a fan of the game. How did that all start for him? Well, we're not necessarily sure where it began, but uh, at least for his love of the game. But we do know that early on in his uh, in his seminary days, uh, that he was a vice president of a baseball team. It was called the Charter Oaks uh, at uh, Our Lady of Angels Seminary up at Niagara University. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's only one box score of the game that that at least that we could find. But it happened on May 20th. 1872, he played left field, he batted cleanup, and he scored three runs in a 23-6 to win over uh, the Mohawks, which was a, a group of New York seminarians. So he was a, <laughs> it's a lopsided win, but yeah, he, uh, it, that's where we know the earliest indication that he liked uh, the game of baseball. So as he went on with his priesthood, uh, he kept that uh, love of the game, as you uh, mentioned. Did he keep that going? Was he? Did he go to games, Major League Baseball games? Well, uh, he, there's no indication that he went to any Major League Baseball games, but he, he did take the game in terms of uh, using it as a tool for evangelization within the community. Mm-hmm. So um, as a parish priest in New Haven, at St. Mary's in New Haven, and at, um, when he was pastor at... St. Thomas Church in uh, Thomaston, Connecticut. Uh, there are multiple accounts, according to his uh, biography, uh, Parish Priest, where he helped organize baseball games for parishioners. And in, there's one uh, example where he had, when he was in New Haven, where he had an uptown team versus a downtown team, and the uptown team uh, won. But... Uh, and there's also an account where he might have acted as a third base coach for uh, a team in Thomaston. So it's he. It, there's not much of the historical record of things that he physically left behind. There's only like 13 uh, writings that he had in his own hand, and there are some quotes from his uh, from uh, first uh, hand newspaper accounts. But what does seem to echo again and again is that baseball does come up again and again. So it's, it's just interesting. Uh, that's why I've sort of dubbed him the, the patron of baseball since he's become blessed. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's something that has come up again and again in his, uh, in his life and his, 
biography. You know, as a former baseball player myself, when I was in a slump, if I knew this, I would have prayed to him and hopefully get me out of that slump. But <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I wish I did the same thing back in the back in the day. Yeah, it's a little too late for both of us. What I did find interesting, though, is that at the time of the order's founding, Catholics were not held in high esteem, and in fact, the Knights of Columbus organization wasn't because you were seen as being only loyal to Rome and maybe not uh, a patriotic American. But baseball was seen as a way of Americanizing this. Uh, You talk about this in your exhibit, but uh, that's interesting how baseball kind of bridged the gap for patriotism and being included in the American culture and maybe more respected the Knights of Columbus. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. I I just I I found that interesting of just Catholics being uh, it's actually one of the main reasons why Father McGivney founded the Knights of Columbus was to promote, you know, to help Catholics, uh, uh, you know, create a social, uh, like a welfare um, uh, check for people who, uh, for Catholic men who were breadwinners of their families. Uh, they would often take the worst jobs uh, just because the economic opportunities weren't out there for them uh, because they were Catholic. Mm-hmm. You know, like no Irish uh, need apply. And, uh, you know, the Knights of Columbus was founded to just, uh, yeah, provide that safety net for those families when the breadwinner would die. And, uh, Father McGimney, um, there is a, a, an account where he tried to help adopt a son, uh, helped adopt one of the, uh, the son of a, of a man who died. Uh, and it was just a way of trying to keep families Catholic because these kids would often go into, uh, Protestant homes as well, or just foster cares, and they would lose the faith. So it was all also about retaining the faith, mm-hmm. um, trying to create that network of people, uh, you know, like uh, lifting lifting the boat for, for all Catholics there. But yeah, baseball was a way of immediately becoming assimilated into American culture. Um, and that's happened time and time again um, over the, over baseball's history. Um but yeah, that, it, that's that's a remarkable thing that baseball was an avenue for that assimilation. Blessed to play Ron Meyer chatting today with Andrew Fowler, content producer for the Knights of Columbus Communications Department. We're talking about a four-part series that will be uh, dispersed throughout the year, uh, exploring the historical connection between the Knights and America's pastime, the game of baseball. And uh, this is interesting to me. Andrew, is that uh, we all know about Little League Baseball, but back in the 19th century when maybe it was tough for Catholics to participate in the game, Knights of Columbus League started to form uh, around the country, and I know there was a a big slew of them in Chicago. Uh, Why don't you talk about that, how they actually were proactive and leagues formed uh, promoting the game of baseball? Right, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the the uh, the Chicago League that you're referring to had at least uh, 42 teams in its league at one point, like the early 19, uh, early 1900s. But the first reference that we could find of, uh, baseball within this magazine that we used to publish called Columbiad, it's the predecessor to Columbia magazine that goes out to all of our members. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the first mention is in 1894, and it was a game between two councils in Massachusetts. And baseball was seen as a way to promote that fraternity aspect of the order. So the several principles of the Knights of Columbus are charity, unity, fraternity, and patriotism. Mm -hmm. And baseball is really a way of promoting fraternity. 
especially because um, later on in also in 1902 there was a a, a New York and Boston team they, they, the teams that they competed for this silver cup we don't know the the score of the game but we know that New York won uh, like they would to many Boston teams uh, throughout the 20th century but not so much in the 21st but um, but it's just an interesting way that this sprang up so quickly and so rapidly. And the magazine itself also encouraged, uh, it, it, they would cover all these events too. It, like not, not in like extensive, uh, write-ups, but in snippets as well. So it was, it was general, it was a great interest to nice and the readers to form baseball teams. And it was seen as a healthy avenue to, yeah, to get out and be fit as well. And these leagues, were not made of just am were not just amateurs, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like like maybe you or me now. I don't know, but uh, they were filled with some college players, semi professionals. There were some even some major leaguers. Like uh, there's one example, Joe Quinn. He played for the St. Louis Browns, uh, and he he was also the first Australian-born native to play in the majors until the 1980s, but. You know, fun fact about him too. He also might be one of the worst managers in baseball history, uh, <laughs> managing the Cleveland Spiders. But that's an aside. But um, more prominently is a guy named Ross Youngs, mm-hmm. who was who is a Hall of Famer, and uh, we do have a photo of him playing shortstop for this for the San Antonio Knights of Columbus baseball team in 1916. So. Yeah, these, these leagues, uh, yeah, like I said, they form rapidly, but mostly in met- major metropolitan areas like in New York, Boston, Philadelphia, St. Louis, and Chicago. Chicago probably had one of the uh, largest leagues, but it was all it was all in service to promoting fraternity at a time when you know the technology didn't really exist like uh, like today um, to do that. Um, baseball was seen as a way of just building uh, that inner council fraternity making us an actual whole i would say uh outside of our faith obviously but it was but yeah baseball is just another way another tool of doing that yeah poor joe quinn he just couldn't get that lineup right but uh prominent managers that were knights i mean connie mack john mcgraw johnny evers and willie keeler i mean made quite an impact on the game of baseball and hall of famers as well um and 200 knights were on major league baseball rosters by the mid-1910s, but I'm not going to steal the thunder. Uh, The second half of the show, we're going to talk about some prominent Major League Baseball players uh, that were Knights, and uh, it might shock some people out there who are listening, so stay tuned for the second half of the show. But before we get to that, your research, I know when you do research and extensive research, things pop up that you're like, uh, maybe flabbergasted could be the word, but you're it's a new experience that you're finding out that these uh, interesting facts that are popping up. Anything that come to mind that you could share with us during your research that surprised you, maybe? Well, just the amount of the amount of Hall of Famers that impacted the game. It's kind of kind of makes you think that baseball wouldn't be where it is today without the without members of the Knights of Columbus. Mm-hmm. They, you just named a few who have. Are still influential to the game today. Uh, you know, Wee Willie Killer. I, I literally heard it at my softball game the other day. Someone say, "Hit it where they ain't," and that comes from comes from him. So it's just, uh, it's it, that is the most fascinating part because 
when I first started researching this, uh, it was just mostly for fun. I, I saw that uh, that Babe Ruth was a knight and Connie Mack uh, was a knight as well. And uh, it all kind of connected when I found out Father McGivney liked to play the game. I'm like, oh, maybe there's something here. Yeah, I just kept looking and looking and just kept finding more interesting stories. And literally, there, uh, Columbiad Magazine used to publish lists of major leaguers who were members of the Knights of Columbus. Like, yesterday, I <laughs> this this is for a future uh, section of uh, the exhibit, but there's a guy named Jack Graney who used to play for the Cleveland Indians back in the 1910s, and he's the... Mm-hmm. He was he was a member of the Knights and he was the first player turned broadcaster. But was what was more interesting to me and maybe some dog lovers out there is that he had a had a a dog who was named Larry who was the Indians mascot at the time. And it's just it's a cute little story, but it's just things like that that just uh, there's a lot of firsts and a lot of those firsts come with uh, are are done by members of the Knights. So it, that's just the most interesting thing about yeah. um, doing all this research. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, you know, um, baseball has been termed America's pastime. Do you feel that the Knights had something to do with making it America's pastime? I think uh, definitely individual Knights for sure, at least around the, the 1910s, you know. And also just there was a future member of the Knights of Columbus literally christened uh, the National League, which is, you know, the oldest uh, professional sports league in America. Um, Jim O'Rourke, who got the, he got a single in the first National League game, and he was a member of the Knights of Columbus. So I think, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of the Knights of Columbus members early on especially helped build the game. And, you know, no one else is more influential in making it America's pastime than maybe Babe Ruth. And uh, well, I mean, we'll talk about I'll, I'll talk about him more in a uh, in a different section, an upcoming section. But um, yeah, I, I would say the Knights have had a strong influence on making it America's pastime and making it the game that we know today. Um, yeah, that was amazing. The first hit in the National League by Jim O'Rourke, April twenty second, eighteen seventy six. The Philadelphia Athletics played the Boston Red Stockings. How about that? All right, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the players, Major League Baseball players that were Knights. And uh, I think you'll find that most interesting. My guest today is Andrew Fowler, content producer for the Knights of Columbus Communications Department. When Blessed to Play returns after this. A prayer for the holy souls in purgatory. God, our creator and redeemer, by your power, Christ conquered death and returned to you in glory. May all your people who have gone before us in faith share his victory and enjoy the vision of your glory forever. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Welcome back to Blessed to Play. Ron Meyer joined today by Andrew Fowler, and he's an employee, actually, of the Knights of Columbus. In fact, he's the content producer. 
in the communications department, and he's researched and worked on a four-part presentation exploring the historical connection between the Knights of Columbus and America's pastime, the game of baseball. And uh, I'm, I'm getting a history lesson as we go on here with Andrew, and it was quite an interesting first half of this show. But Andrew, I know uh, looking over all this information and finding out who actually was a knight was very interesting and uh, very revealing. And I don't think a lot of people out there know what players were and were not knights. But one that comes to mind, and he had a little bit of talent, and his name was George Herman Ruth, known as The Babe. And um, he joined the Fraternal Order. So give us some background on why The Babe became a knight. Well, there's not too much of, uh, you know, the, the rationale why he decided to become a knight. I mean, he did, um, he did, he was taught the game by uh, by a brother, Brother Matthias, when he was in, a, in Baltimore at a reformatory school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, Babe Ruth ended up joining the Knights. We have a record of him joining the Knights around 1919 up in Boston when he was a member of, you know, the Boston Red Sox. But he talks a lot about his, um, so I guess backing up a little bit, mm-hmm. he he obviously wasn't a <laughs> a perfect man uh, in terms of his faith. I mean, uh, there, he has a lot of flaws, but there is a, a article that he wrote for this magazine called Guideposts back, like right before he died. And he talked about his faith journey and talking about how that aspect of him, the, the lessons that Brother Matthias taught him, not only on the ball field, but also in terms of um, catechesis, never never left him. And he talked about actually making a full uh, full confession before a, a surgery. So it's a really remarkable thing that, um, to, to dive into, because that's something I never really knew before um, doing all this research. And he did extensively work with members of the Knights of Columbus. There was an article I wrote for Columbia Magazine a few years ago where Babe Ruth used to go on these barnstorming tours after um, the regular season would end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of the spots they would go to, there were members of the Knights of Columbus would greet him or uh, – or sponsor games, you know, these are, these were important games back in the day in the late 1920s, because as you may know, the, no major league teams existed past the Mississippi until the 1950s with the Dodgers and Giants. So, but he would travel all the way out to Los Angeles. So if people wanted to see major league stars, um, that, that was the only way that they could do it. And the Knights of Columbus councils, local Knights of Columbus councils, helped provide that. And um, Babe Ruth was their their biggest uh, yep champion in that respect. So it's just interesting that he did that. And also there was a campaign back when uh, St. Mary's Industrial School, the school that he went to, the reformatory school he went to, um, had a major fire. Uh, the Knights of Columbus were commissioned to help fundraise for that, and Babe Ruth was brought in to help do that as well. Um, so it's just very interesting to know that's, that's what I wanted to look more into in this web exhibit, more about his faith and his work with the Knights, mm-hmm. because people know who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, people know he, he has a stamp on the game, but it's like, what, what about his faith 
life or faith journey is relevant to people today. And I think the fact that, you know, he had such a wild life, uh, but he turned to the faith toward um, the end and made a confession. I think that is the faith journey that we all have to take at some point. Um, so I, I think that is probably his greatest le- greatest thing that he could teach Catholics is that, um, you know, confession, the faith never leaves you. And I think he says that, like, quote for quote, it's just, yeah, the faith never leaves you. It's a solid little chapel that's inside of you, and it may get dusty from time to time, mm-hmm. but every so often you have to go in and, and clean it. <laughs> so, and, and he was a big proponent of teaching religious education to young um uh, young people as well toward the end. So, um, that, yeah, those are, I don't want to say St. Babe Ruth, but, <laughs> you know, here's hoping. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of the, uh, interesting stuff that I found out about, about the babe. Yeah. And what's interesting is how his life evolved and how he evolved as a person and, uh, high profile athletes, especially their, their lives are put out there for everyone to review like a movie script. And uh, I think if you put it in the, the general population, they would, you know, probably be equally as flawed. Let's put it that way. So, Babe, sound like he wanted to do good and, and try to become a better person as he went on with his life. But I'd like to move ahead to another Major League Baseball player and also manager of the New York Mets at one time, Gil Hodges. And he was a member of the Knights as well, Andrew. Yes. Um, so... Gil Hodges, uh, as you know, is actually one of my coworkers, Dave Naglieri, is working on a documentary right now about Gil Hodges and his faith life and um, and just membership in the Knights of Columbus, which there isn't. It isn't as extensive as Babe Ruth's um, time in the Knights was, you know, just because Babe Ruth was well, Babe Ruth, but uh, Gil Hodges is such a admirable man. Uh, just looking at um, some of the stuff that he's done. And and it's funny that there's a story about when he was going through a, a slump. Apparently there was a Brooklyn priest who kept his homily very short that day. It was a very hot day. And he's just like, okay, like, you know the gospel, but put, uh, essentially put, uh, pray for Gil Hodges. He was just so beloved when he was a member of the Dodgers and also uh, when he was manager of the Mets, but, and also just a critical ally to, Jackie Robinson during the mm-hmm. uh, color barrier, you know, breaking of the color barrier. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's something that I admire about him, too, is just these men of faith, these men of virtue that stepped up in critical moments in baseball's history when they when they needed it, they needed to step up, step into the breach. Uh, so that's that's what I want to go into more about Gil Hodges, especially in part four or part three, part four of this series, this web exhibit, which will come out in July of next year or October. It's just um, focusing on how faith moves, how faith moves these people and how baseball can help be an avenue of spiritual formation and, um, and reflection. Let's the play Ron Meyer once again, chatting with Andrew Fowler content producer for the Knights of Columbus Communications Department. And we're talking about uh, the series and the connection, historical connection of the Knights of Columbus with America's pastime baseball. And we have a few minutes remaining here, Andrew, but a good friend of mine is on this list. And uh, I think he deserves to be. His name is Mike Sweeney, 
a longtime Kansas City Royal. In fact, he's in the Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame and more of a modern day uh, Major League Baseball player that has joined the Knights. Uh, I think you would agree. Tell us uh, a little bit about Mike through your eyes. Mike, it's funny enough uh, on our social media pages today that we went up with a story about Mike Sweeney reflecting on fatherhood and how how he as a father has to be a good shepherd that leads his wife and children to heaven. You know, that's the ultimate goal of all of us, right? And, you know, and that's just such a uh, a, a great vision of what a father is supposed to do and, and and being a member of the Knights of Columbus, we help try to foster that growth. And especially during the year of St. Joseph, what, you know, what better time to talk about fatherhood than that. But baseball too, is just such a, a father, son or father, kid sort of game. You know, you want, when you think about that, I mean, one of the, one of the things I used to do with my dad is play catch out in the, front yard and you know he taught me how to play the game and there's just that I assume that's how it goes for so many people the same thing for Mike Sweeney when he talked about it in uh, our video series Into the Breach Mm -hmm. and um, in our other video series Everyday Heroes it's just fatherhood is such a critical vocation that um, is becoming more 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 absent. So I think Mike Sweeney, he talks a lot about that, and that's what I admire about him. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, chock full of history, definitely in this four-part series, but of value as well, and gives meaning to the athlete, both, both in the, the modern day and those of yesteryear, and brings it all together uh, for a good purpose, and that is uh, promoting the faith and uh, and driving driving force in their life for sure. Andrew, if our uh, listeners want to go and check out the exhibit, where can you send them? Yeah, so uh, for listeners who are uh, interested, you could go to michaelmcgivney.org. Uh, the uh, web exhibit is on, on the on the Blessed Michael McGivney Pilgrimage Center's website. And if you want to learn more about the Knights of Columbus and becoming a, a man of virtue, uh Go to kfc.org slash join and learn more about us, and uh, hopefully you can join our great team. Very good. Thanks so much, Andrew, and I appreciate the time today and uh, learning about uh, some of these knights who played the game of baseball and, uh, and about the exhibit itself. I hope our listeners will check it out. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Ron. Hey, Blessed to Play fans, check us out on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed the number two play.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow the show right on Twitter at blessed to play for Andrew Fowler. I'm Ron Meyer. We'll catch you next time right here on blessed to play. You've been listening to blessed to play with host Ron Meyer on the EWTN global Catholic network. If you have a question or comment about today's show, feel free to email us at info at blessed to play.com. That's blessed. The number two play.com you can also connect with the show on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com again that's blessed the number two play.com join us again next time for blessed to play on the ewtn global catholic network